Welcome to the Millennial Money Show, where you'll learn to gain control of your finances so that you have the freedom to live intentionally. This podcast is dedicated to show you everything that you need to know to take money into your own hands, get ahead in your finances, become debt-free, and grow savings accounts that fund your dreams. I'm your host, Ashley, certified financial coach who's paid off over $140,000 in debt and I've helped others do the same. In this episode, we're going to talk about the question of, is building wealth bad? And oh boy, do I have a lot to say about this topic, so you're going to want to make sure that you tune in and that you listen. Hello and welcome back to the Money Money Show. I'm so thankful that you're here, that you're tuning in and listening. Today's topic is a good one. Oh my gosh. I could talk for days about this topic because this especially affects women and I'm on a mission to empower women to become the CFO of their own finances and this is a major hurdle for a lot of the women that I talk to. So the big question is, is building wealth bad? And the answer is no. (laughs) Not at all. It's not bad. And this is a problem that I see so many women have. They think that building wealth is inherently bad. And so that makes women not ask for the raise or not increase their prices in their business. This can hold women back or worse, limit the possibilities for their future and what they could do with that wealth. So we've known this for a long time that there's been a gap in who holds the most wealth in the United States. The majority of it is in the hands of men, particularly white men. Surprise, surprise. Luckily, Gratefully, that statistic is changing, but it's slow. It's a slow change. And I want to make that ripple effect even bigger and continue to close that gap even sooner. Because the sooner I tell you this information, the sooner you can change your life and impact other women around you and just continue that ripple effect. According to US Bank, women hold 27% of executive or senior level positions. They hold 21% of board seats and fewer than 6% of CEO positions. Oh boy. Fewer than 6% hold CEO positions in major companies and corporations. Less than 6%. There's a lot that I could talk about here. I could go on for a very long time, but I'm going to try and make this as short and impactful as possible without absorbing like 24 hours of your day. (laughs) So there's a reason why this is happening. Obviously, women's rights and women's freedoms haven't are fairly new to society. Um, We had the ability to vote less than 100 years ago. We had the ability to take out our own credit cards and finance a mortgage less than 50 years ago. Isn't that crazy? It was in the 1970s that women actually had the ability to take out a credit card on their own. And so we have a delayed start in the race. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of a difference in who holds CEO positions, but I want that to change. And there's a couple of things that we as women can do to make that change. And that's not even to mention the fact that women are much more likely to take time out of the workforce, request more flexible schedules, or work reduced hours so that they can raise children or care for their aging parents. And because of this, it results in lost income 
a stifled career growth, less savings, and potentially lower social security benefits. And not only that, but it can mean increased vulnerability if a spouse dies or marriage ends. And I want to take that vulnerability away. I want to take that out of the equation. I want us as women to build our own wealth hand in hand with our spouses. And statistics are changing. I do want to let you know that women are starting to take their careers into their own hands, which is just incredible. Meaning that 44% of women have a private net worth of over $100,000 and are self-made. Over 44%. That's amazing. And the number of women-owned businesses has grown 58% since 2009. We as female business owners are growing. We are bringing products to the market that, and solving problems that only we can solve. I mean, incredible. And one out of three women say they've asked for a raise and 74% of those women say that they've received what they've asked for. So not, not only are women working on creating a positive net worth, they are opening businesses and solving problems that only we as women can solve, but they're also asking for raises. And 74% are getting what they've asked for. So despite these numbers, despite this overwhelming uptick in positivity, really, of growth that we've had over the last 30 years, still 35% of women would would not use the word wealthy as a self-descriptor, whereas 52% of men would. And that... That's what I want to focus on. So we are, we're making a swing in the right direction. We are headed in a really good direction. But women still don't use the term wealthy to describe themselves. And there's a couple of reasons why this happens. So the first one is that women tend to bring emotions into the conversation of money, whereas men typically don't. Men are more interested in leaving a legacy and affording to buy stuff that they want to have. Women are more focused on finding contentment where they're at and bringing stability and comfort. Obviously, both sides of this coin have a lot of positives to bring. Women focus on finding security and comfort and money, and men are more focused on leaving a legacy. But I want that to meet in the middle somewhere. I want women to feel confident about leaving a legacy and also wanting to buy stuff that they want and not just being content with where they're at, but also to hit goals that they want to hit, to buy the stuff that they want to have, not to make anybody happy, not to keep up with the Joneses, but but solely to buy the things because they want to buy the thing. And that is where I want to, to start this conversation. Because as women, we automatically tie wealth to a negative connotation, typically. And I want that to change. Why is wealth inherently bad? That's, <laughs> that's a serious question. Why is wealth just inherently bad? Why can't it be inherently good? As a financial coach, I want you to have financial comfort and stability 100%. But I also want you to be able to fund your dreams. And you can have both. As a woman, you can have both. This isn't an either or situation. This is a both and. You can have the stability and you can fund your dreams. And in order to do that, I think we need to lose the guilt that we have surrounding the topic of building wealth. And there's four tips that I have for you today. And the first one 
is to take a page from the men's book and look at the legacy of wealth that you want to leave for future generations. Think about your kiddos or your future kiddos. How would having wealth change their lives? How would leaving a legacy not only impact your children, but their children and their children's children? What comfort would that provide? What stability would that provide? What dreams could your kiddos strive for that you never even thought were possible, but they can because you opted to leave a legacy for them? The second thing is to focus on the good that can be done when you actually build wealth both in your family and externally. A lot of good can be done if you have wealth. So much good can be done if you have wealth. Think about how you could joyously give without even hesitating because you have wealth. Think about the lives that could change, not only in your family, but also externally as well. Think about the kids that would have food in their bellies tonight. Think about the water that you could give to people who wouldn't have access to clean water otherwise. Think about putting kids through college that they never thought was possible that was ever going to happen. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on about all the amazing things that could be done if you have wealth. About the, <laughs> the impacts that you could have on the environment. Saving animals. So many lives could be impacted if you, as one person, decided that you wanted to leave a legacy and build wealth because you were going to do good with it. And then what if your kids, because you taught them how to manage money and how to leave a legacy and how to give and be generous, you're teaching your kids the same thing. And so not only are you, as one person, changing countless lives, but now your kids are changing countless lives and their kids are going to change countless lives and this ripple effect will continue to expand and expand and expand. And that's just your family. What if 10 other families did this? What if a hundred other families or a thousand or a hundred thousand families looked at building wealth as a tool to impact others? I mean... (laughs) Literally, global changes would occur. Life-altering changes. The third thing that you can do to lose the guilt when it comes to building wealth is to see money as the tool that it is. It's to bring comfort into your lives and stop projecting emotions onto an inanimate object. Money isn't inherently good. It's not inherently evil. It's neutral. It is a tool similarly to having tools in a toolbox. It's what is done with those tools that is inherently good or inherently bad. A hammer is not inherently good or bad. It's just a hammer. When used to take a person's life, that's in, that's bad. When used to build a house for a family who lost their home in a hurricane, that's good. And you can choose good. You can choose to do a whole lot of good with one tool, and that's that's money. And then the last thing, is to set goals and then to walk them out when you are building wealth. Set goals that you want to do. Start small, work your way up. Maybe you set the first goal as saving a three to six month emergency fund. You set the next goal as, and you set the next goal to pay off debt. And then the third goal, you start investing 15% of your income. And then you continue to invest 15% of your income. And then you open up a Roth IRA. And then you, and I, I could keep going and going. While you're building wealth, 
If you have guilt when it comes to building wealth, I highly encourage you to, in your goals, set giving goals as well. Because that's going to help you turn the guilt of building wealth into the tool that it is. And you're going to want to continue to build wealth because of all the good that you're having and all the impact that you're making in people's lives. And not to mention, it's a lot of fun when you change people's lives because of the fact that you changed your mindset when it came to building wealth. So as women, we are typically more nurturing and caring and are more focused on bringing stability and comfort into our lives and others. And I want you to focus that stability and comfort, not just for you, but also for other people as well. And I want you to use wealth as a tool to do it. So set those goals. Dream big. Because you're meant to create an impact in this world. And you can't do it if you are telling yourself that building wealth is bad. That you can't build wealth. You need to build wealth, friend. (laughs) You need to make that impact that you were born to make. Not just for yourself. Not just for your family. But for others too. I really hope this episode has helped you see wealth as a tool. See money as a tool. And take away the good or the bad connotations that are attached to it. That's my goal. That's my sole goal for this episode is to help you see that money itself is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. In next week's episode, we're going to talk about the top 10 habits that millionaires have that made them millionaires and how you could implement that in your own life. So stay tuned for next week. You're going to love that episode and I can't wait to see you then. Bye friends.